Welcome to Triumph and Disaster, a show dedicated to manly creativity and culture. Brought to you by your host, Cameron McHarg. Hey guys, we're back for another episode of Triumph and Disaster, and this one uh, is an unusual one because it's uh, it's three people. I've only done that one other time. Uh, but this time it's Matthew Wilder and Kevin Schulman. Matthew Wilder had his own standalone episode, as did Kevin Schulman earlier. He was like the second or third guy on the show. And um, they were both uh, at the same cafe. And uh, if you listen to the Kevin Schulman episode before, <laughs> it's in the same vein. Uh, he's just a really smart, funny guy. And he's just a real, he's a real wise ass. And so that becomes the vibe of the whole thing. But um but it turns into a really interesting conversation as well. So it's funny, and I, I hope you uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, here we go. Here is the uh, the chaos snarkiness of Matthew Wilder and Kevin Shulman. Triumphant disaster. All right, so Kevin Shulman and Matthew Wilder. We're not cutting anything here. Uh, <laughs> launches right into it. By the way, Shulman, your your episode was uh, one of the most popular ones, and it's because of all your fucking wise assery. Yours is unlike all the other ones. Yeah, but you were completely just shitting on me, and like, <laughs> and, uh, and it was all in there. So yeah, and this started out awkwardly. So we were gonna talk. We we fucked up the times. Anyway, we're all together. Oh, we can't. We we we're not gonna be able to hear him. He probably sounds like. You gotta you gotta my. All right. <laughs> so I'll before this thing starts, I'll kind of I'll kind of introduce you guys again and say who you are. But so how we're not cutting anything. It started out a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it started out a little a little bit of piss and vinegar in the beginning. So how the how? So tell me about how. how I'm t- <laughs> So, but we were extra early. How do you guys know each other? Who wants to talk first? I'm going to give you the mic so you can you can interrupt each other. We met on a great picture called Your Name Here, produced by what was his name? Sam Spiegel, uh, Daryl Zanuck. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Kevin was selling Molly to Corbin Burnson back in the day. <laughs> King Rat, who's the guy in the, in the King Rat, the James Clavell novel, who the guy who can get when you're in, in, in the POW camp, he can get you like canned tuna or Swedish hookers or whatever. King Rat novel on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Shogun, I guess is more. Yeah. And he coined the phrase Pullman flying in. <laughs> Pullman flying in. He'd get on the, he'd get on the walk talking and go, Pullman flying in. <laughs> but he really pissed him off, and I think he did on purpose at a certain point. He, w- he would take Pullman out of his trailer, and then he'd get on the thing and go, Pullman flying in. And, and, and at a certain point, he'd go, Kevin, you can just call me Bill. You don't have to call me Pullman. I'll like, call me Bill. And so every day it would be like, Pullman. He was King Rat. He made it happen. King Rat. He made shit happen. He got us a golf cart in two hours. It was unbelievable. With zero dollars and zero cents. Yeah. 
Arnold Palmer chasing him down the street. <laughs> God damn you, kid! <laughs> so that's how you met? Yeah. We had a darn good time at the escarpment. The es- do you know the escarpment? We shot this picture down at the escarpment on Soto Street, which is this beautiful old, uh, little known, yeah, I guess it's got Sarteco, uh, studio that's owned by some bunch of weird rockers. What, what was the guy who was in the, the, what's the, what, the germs. There's a guy in the germs and he lived in a van in the back. He was, it, yeah, he was like Don Knotts. He was like 80 pounds. He had stringy arms. He always wore a, um, suede vest with no shirt, but he would come out of this van and you look at this Don Knotts guy with his shirt off with, with like a fur, an imposing character. with a fur vest. But then some hot girl would come out of the van who looked like Cara Delavinia or something like some supermodel would come out after him and you're like <laughs> yeah but it's one of those oh oh musicians there's no one else who looked as much like Don Knotts as this guy could get that kind of arse <laughs> life potpourri This place is the one. The cool thing about this place is it's next door or a few doors down from, and I'm sure your audience remembers this place, the slaughterhouse from Carrie, from Brian De Palma's Carrie. Remember when they climb in and there's, yeah, there's the mural. You know, when Travolta's climbing the fence, you see the mural of the slaughterhouse. So we, yeah, we, we, we would shoot this movie. And then every day at, I don't remember what hour, six or eight or something at night, if you're stepping even just right outside the, the, the parking lot door, this odor of blood would just suddenly slam across the whole landscape. It was real. Yeah, it was that was like the hour when either they killed all the pigs or they or they or they you know lined the racks of pigs up or something. But there was a smell of death that would come just like that, and it was like you know the green gas in the Ten Commandments, you know the the Passover thing. Worst. Do you remember that though? It was because I I don't you know it's like I'm not too familiar with the smell of mass blood. Yeah. But as soon as you smell that, you know exactly what it is. Exactly. It's not garbage. It's blood. It's death. Yeah. What? Chuck Fallon. Yeah. 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 But, but you remember that, right? I mean, like, you knew what that was instantly. It was intense. Oh, that's right. And Pullman had your parents' trailer. Couldn't afford a trailer, so Pullman got Kevin's SUV. You're that guy. But it wasn't an SUV. It was like an old-fashioned Winnebago. It was... It felt like Lost in America. So you I'm probably like Wayne. So you're like, so you were 21, and you were like the guy in uh, prison movies who can get the the whatever thing. You can get the I can get the chocolate bar or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, so that's how you met, and then, uh, and you guys have stayed in touch ever since, or what's the deal with that? Like. We met, coincidentally, we've talked about this and this got cut out. We This is a different episode, Standalone with Wilder, where we, we some parts were cut out. And then we met because we knew each other just online. And we we always, like, would write to each other sometimes because we both have snarky shit. Like, you wise us. Yeah, exactly. So, ah, I know you. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little winking. No. Oh, fuck, no. But... Yeah, he starts throwing things around, gets a little bit, uh, gets a little rough around the edges. (laughs) Exactly. 
So he, so, so he, I'm pointing at him. No one can see this. So Matthew, so he wrote me after I had got into my first fight since I was like 12 years old. And I was kind of like, I felt oddly really good about it, but I also felt bad, like kind of guilty. And I wrote this thing like, Hey, I I socked this dude. And I haven't done that since I'm not one of those guys. I did. He was a real piece of shit. And it was at a bar and I was like, I haven't done it since I was 12. So then I get an email from Wilder next to, Hey, uh, let's go to Norm's and go get some bacon and eggs. <laughs> and shit, shit. Like, I, I love, I love you for uh, socking this asshole. Like that's how he wanted to meet me. So that's how we met. Now I'm going to give you back. To you. So, oh. and then, go ahead. And then, so you guys, you can't hear me right Oh, come on. No, you knew all sorts of things. I would go to his house and he has like some, you know, Austrian language poster of the 167 minute cut of Dawn of the Dead with the lobby cards and all kinds of shit and memorabilia and objects. you a question about this because I think about it. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. I think there's, you know, beyond everything else and, and film as an art and all those things. To me, there's something about film as a mood stabilizer. It's like a drug. Like I, I probably, more, I think probably more than you guys do. I go to see things in the theater, probably more old things than new things. But like that experience to me is... It's something that's very addictive to me because it's like I need that moment in my day to focus on that thing, turn off the phone, everything else drops away, and you just kind of go into that world for two hours. Do you guys experience, and even maybe watching things on TV or watching at home or whatever, that, but, but, but that thing of like that, that it fills a need for you that's not just like, oh, I, I, movies are neat, but like it's a, it's a, really? Can we talk about that for a second? Because I got to say, that movie, I saw it, and I mean, you know, as probably we all are, like a, you know, Scorsese is is God to me. But I remember seeing that movie and thinking, ah, you know, this movie's three hours long. Why does it take three hours to learn that douchebags act like douchebags? But now I feel like with with our election, I I actually wanted to go back and watch it again because I was like, this movie is kind of articulating the philosophy of our of our time. That's 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 who the whole Trumpism is is Jordan Belfort. I haven't watched it yet, but I want I want to. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, with narration. You know, I thought it was very prescient. It's, uh, and it's the one element movie I always really, really loved is the last shot of the film. You know, it's it's Jordan Belfort gets what I think is kind of, it's great. His version of Purgatory, you know, instead of egg noodles and ketchup, uh, like Goodfellas, you have to live in a white, white people, a condo land in Arizona or whatever. He gets kind of the same thing, which is he doesn't get to be around all his alpha dogs. He has to be around all these beta dogs where he goes, hey, sell me this pen. Well, it's a nice pen. You know, and he's like, oh, God, I'm, I have none, none of my kind are here forever. But the last shot of the movie is there's this great jazz piano. It's the guy, it's the, the guy who plays the Peanuts theme. What's that, what's that dude's name? The, the jazz piano, the Peanuts, the guy who does the Charlie Brown theme. Uh, but it's that guy. And it's this crane over the audience of Jordan Belfort's seminar. And it's all these faces looking up, hopefully to Leo and, and you see, it's obviously, it's, it's, he's just literally reflecting the audience. It's like he literally could have just held up a mirror to the audience. <laughs> uh, but that's us. And that's everyone looking to Trump now. It's like everyone looking up, all these, you know, kind of pitiful people looking up, hopefully, like, do you have an answer? Can you tell me how to sell the pen? And then that's... And then that's that's the movie. We talked a little bit earlier when we had our own standalone uh, episode a little bit about the Trump thing and about your movie, Dog Eat Dog, and, and we mentioned like God Bless America and some other things like that. Do you think, what do you guys think, like, do you think, uh, I mean, I like to believe, for example, like in the early 80s, maybe even late 70s, we were talking about like the Thatcher era, Reagan, like there were, there were, there was a real, there was a punk movement, musically at least, I don't know if cinematically, but do you think there might be something that uh, changes with movies, with this happening? I, I who knows if he's going to be in for eight years? Maybe, yeah. I mean, because we, we were talking, uh, uh, Wilder and I in, our, in the other episode, we were talking about... Um, how uh, a lot of like adult dramas are now TV, like how you can get away ironically with more, with more in uh, with anti-hero type characters and things in TV rather than movies where you have like all these millennial bloggers, you know, uh, with hurt feeling, Oh, you can't have this guy do this or this. So movies have been sort of homogenized and, and, uh, they're mall movies, 99% basically. Right. So that's it. Exactly. Do you guys, that's exactly what movies kind of have become. So, and that's becoming more and more rare. So do you guys, I'm going to give you the mic again. We're just, we're sharing two mics in this thing. But do you guys, do you guys see or at least hope for, or do you have any kind of, do you have any kind of prediction as far as how maybe things will change with TV or movies with this whole thing? Um, you know, the, everybody makes fun of like millennial snowflakes freaking out over over Trump and uh, people saying I'm going to slip my wrist, I'm going to jump out the window, and all that kind of stuff. And I make fun of that stuff too a little bit. But I do think if you were growing up now, if you were if you were a young adult, right, and you're just sort of come, you know graduating from college or something right now, and you'd gone from like Principal Obama, the nice guy principal of your school, you thought you were going to have slightly cranky Grandma Clinton, you know, who but you know she's not too bad. She's kind of a pain in the ass, but she's okay. But instead, your molesty uncle got the keys to your house, and and all bets are off. And there's no one to protect you from the pussy grabbing. Um, I I think you would absolutely fucking melt down. And maybe that meltdown will create punk rock, or will create punk rock cinema, or. Yeah. fiction or I, I don't know but I do think that the, something's going to happen I think that nervous breakdown eventually hardens into rage or Hopefully. terror or, or something it, 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 it sort of yeah <laughs> it's the crucible that burns you into a, into some sort of a a useful crisp, hopefully. Well, like I know, and we can mention this here too, and we should. I, w- I want you guys both to actually. Uh, when we had our standalone episode, you talked a little bit about what you're going to do. I mean, you just did Dog Eat Dog. You can talk about that, but other, also other things that you're directing or writing that's coming up for you. 
do you have do you, do you, even if it's by accident do you think there might be some of this uh, anger or even if it comes out in a comedic way in a darkly comic way like a God Bless America kind of way do, I'm, when I say that I'm talking about the Bobcat goalie movie if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about do you think it, it's going to come out in what you guys do and you want to talk about what you're doing and what in in go ahead <laughs> I guess what I'm thinking more, maybe not literally like movies about it, like Idiocracy or or um, God Bless America, that sort of thing, but maybe more like, for example, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. What's her name again? <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'll, I'll say who that is later. But Jane Lynch, Jane Lynch. Hey, we should bring her over. Maybe not. Actually, we should. With 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 you on the mic, we should. <laughs> so what I was what I was thinking more along the lines of is like after, for example, after Vietnam, uh, you would have maybe <laughs> maybe right, exactly. You would have sort of. Uh, <laughs> oh fuck. So you'd have like sort of like paranoid political thrillers. You'd have more cynical kind of film. You know, like we've had a streak of movies that are basically comic book movies for quite a while. It's just like this certain thing, and without. But so I'm I'm talking about more of a a, a turn that way somehow, whether it's in, in movies or TV or anything like that. Well, can you say one thing, which is you know I've. All my life, I think, you know, some of the work that I've done, like things I've done in theater and just what people associate me with is, you know, blood, shock and awe, violence, despair, you know, macabre, suicidal sex. Uh, Holiday hits. Yeah. And I have to say, like, right now, if, if, if there was, like, the option of going to see, like, you know, a double bill of Clockwork Orange and Solo or going to see, like, some some or, or some some Ernst Lubitsch movies or a Fred Astaire movie, I would go see the Fred Astaire movie. And, and some of the things that people have asked me to do recently are things that are so nice. And I, don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. But they're things that I think people who read my stuff or have seen anything would would not be like oh well here's the guy that I would ask to do a G-rated cartoon right. and and I really like that and I and I feel myself tilting in that direction I don't know if it's just aging or something but it's like all that is it I don't know I have more of a taste for that stuff I mean it's like I feel like I've seen and I still make stuff like this but I think I've seen all the sort of like punch the audience in the nuts stuff that I can. Well, I think I, I, well, maybe it will turn that way. Like, for example, I know what you're saying. I know what you're both are saying. Like I, we don't want, and I'm not going to get into politics or anything too much, but I'll just say this. Like during the Bush years, I was kind of active. I was adamant against a lot of the shit that was going on. Well, the Iraq war, I really tried to prevent it. And, uh, for, so I was just more out there and I, I cared and I, I tried and by the end of it, I was just tired and done. And so then Obama came in and, and, you know, there was things that were, you can be disappointed about, but I, there was a f- sense that everything was just sort of, all right, you know, nothing, there's no problems going on. It's, and I just kind of came, became complacent and I was tired. I was just kind of done. And now that this happened, I feel like there's a a greater degree of just like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to live my life. I'm not even going to, I'm not even, I'm going to just try to enjoy my life. It's out of my, it's out of my control. So maybe, maybe I'm going to hand it to you, but maybe if maybe art or things will, will change a little bit even more uh, sugarcoated. I don't know. I don't, I'm just curious what you guys think might happen or what you hope might happen or if, it, if anything. <laughs> 
I think you're quoting Vince Vaughn saying, we get the world you deserve. You went from RFK to swingers, as we all do. You were talking about, what was talking uh, about? living your own life. We mentioned RFK twice a day because we mentioned RFK before you came, which is weird. What does that mean? Watch the building burn. I want I had a very, uh, yeah. ch- uh, as, to use the word of, of our time, very challenging experience. In 2004, Brett Jacobs and I, our friend, mutual friend of Kevin's and I, who the fuck is that? He's a friend of ours. He's a mutual friend of ours. Um, we worked for John Kerry. And, you know, and, and the thing I thought was kind of interesting about the Kerry campaign versus the Hillary campaign was in 2004, nobody was deluded about John Kerry. Nobody went out and said, oh, God, this is the greatest candidate in the world. We love this guy so much. He was not George Bush. Some tried to voice that lie over, I think. Yeah. Mm, well, bourgeois people, I think. You know, uh, but but you know nobody was nobody was really too deluded about Kerry. But so the Kerry campaign said to us, we were just like grunts, canvassers, and they said, okay, we want you to just register voters, go down to the Magic Johnson, you know, the the mall in, on Crenshaw, uh, where the Magic Johnson Theater is, go to the mall and just register voters. You don't have to say vote for Kerry, you don't have to give them a Kerry button, just say please register to vote. That's all you have to do. So we went down to the mall, registered. No, you know, you go up. Would you like to register to vote? Oh, yeah, you know, people sign, whatever. It was not a big deal. But there was one woman in particular who was about about 50, cast her with, you know, Viola Davis, if it was in the movie. So here's this black woman, 50. You can tell she is the matriarch of her clan. She's holding shit together. She's holding the family together. She's making the kids get fed. She is the spine of this uh, family and probably of her community. So I said... Would you like to register to vote? And she said, God bless you for coming down here. It's great that you're doing this. But I just want to tell you one thing. I only ever voted one time in my life, and it was for Jesus Christ. And that was the end of your political career? Well, it wasn't the end of my political career, but it was one of those moments where you went, man, if people don't care enough about their own outcome... And I'm not saying that that's right, but it, but there is a thing where it's like, oh man, how can you, how how can you um, do this work when people are saying like, oh, I'm giving it all up to Jesus Christ or or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like I don't want to take on a parental role towards the United States of America. You're never gonna. You're never gonna. Yeah, I mean, you're never gonna really get anything. You really. March 19, 2003. 
Did you live in LA at that time? Because I was part of some of the anti anti war stuff in the roll up to two thousand three. And by the way, ninety nine percent of the people that I knew were like, "Oh, honey, this is just, we're just going to go in and spank Al Qaeda and get out. Quit your worrying." Really, uh, a lot of people, Democrats. Said about North Vietnamese too. But I went to some of the original. Uh, do you remember Mira? Yes. Okay. Mira and I would go to these. We go. We go to the meetings, and we also went to a lot of the rallies. And if you remember that thing in Fahrenheit 9/11, where where you know the Bush administration is investigating these seditious anti-war groups, and then you see them, and it's like old hippies with oatmeal cookies to, giving. It was like that. It was not everybody. It wasn't you know. Beyonce out in the barricades or Taylor Swift or whatever. It was not, there was no public endorsement of this or celebrities endorsing it or anything like that. It was like old screwy hippies until the war began. And then when people saw the war sucked and then eventually it became unpopular and then people came around. Yeah, they were great. That became a Broadway musical, right? Is is that like a allegory of Bush or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What example of what I was kind of talking? About. I don't know if you can. Is it is, is it is it is there a narrative to the album in the way there is? I assume to the show. The whole thing. The whole thing is. Uh, you know, you know, it's talking about the Senate. It's talking about you know uh, isolationism with the United States casting away from Western European uh, allies and and just Bush. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it was like you know, uh, kill all the fags that don't agree. It's, it's satirical. Wow. Well, I'll have to go listen to that now. I always just was annoyed by them because they and Avril Lavigne called themselves punk rock. And I was like, have you ever heard the Sex Pistols? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I bet they actually didn't. Wow. At least at that time. <laughs> Remember when Avril Lavigne was, was deemed punk? Or neo punk. Oh yeah, I think she went mental or something, didn't she? Something happened to her. <laughs> Shouldn't make fun of people going cuckoo, but I think something weird happened with her. I don't remember what. That's what I like. Don't get caught. Not everybody saw your Trump like gesture. I think they even might have heard it. Did you see that picture of him yesterday with Liberace? Yes. No. All right, hold on. <laughs> Let me see. Larry Karaszewski found this. That's awesome. Yes. It's very, um, it's very sexual. You know, with the lollipop club, you were there. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Great. Good looking dude. <laughs> I know he was, wasn't he? No, look around. <laughs> yeah, it's so majestic and perfect. God, it's just like a. Look at Trump may not look so bad if he cut down on the Mac, you know, Mickey D's. Trump knows where his angles are. 
It's, 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 it's great, great hair. Yeah, this is good. What's that tie though that Liberace is wearing? It kind of looks like some like uh, like uh, like. Orwellian, yeah, it's like an Orwellian like uh, symbol for like a fascist power, doesn't it? Is that the is that the uh, Illuminati yes, symbol? Yes, maybe, maybe Illuminati. Yeah. Get married? Yes. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Well, he's going off on his own. I don't know. It. An antidepressant bender. Bring him in. Bring him back in from Liberace. Then. Yeah. We're gonna do Rogue Two together. They s- Kathleen Kennedy said there's no sequel, but fuck that. We're going to pull it together. Oh, yeah, that was a meme, huh? Wow. The anti-Daisy Ridley meme. Oh, no. Was he, the, was he the progenitor of that whole fucking nonsense? Oh, no. What is it? draw that out a little bit because I'm the old person like when I started working I really love female characters and, and most of the scripts I've they're unproduced but most of the stuff that I've written that people have read and liked are things that have no 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 I'm not going there no 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 I'm not I'm not going in that direction uh, I've written a lot of female centric um, things but when I was just like first starting writing you know, there was a lot of objection because, like, if if anybody was ever interested in producing some kind of a female-centric movie, they wanted it to be like, you know, the stuff from my adolescence is the movie where Jessica Lange saves the farm or the movie where Sissy Spacek saves the farm or Sally Field saves the farm. And I always thought, when I was growing up, like, the, the you know, like, the epitome of, like, the cool female character that you would want to write is Jenna Rollins in Woman Under the Influence, right. where she's drunk, high, crazy, beating her head against walls, you know, throwing her children out of window that to me yeah and Alice doesn't live here anymore but it's like you want to create female characters that are as good as Travis Bickle and Michael Corleone and Patton and you know which are not like perfect perfect or perfectly likable characters and they're not role models of anything they're just fucking fascinating people 
and that's more interesting to me than Aaron. And I, and even I, and I like Aaron Brockovich, which I think is good. It is a good movie, but but like even something that's a little bit to the left of that, there, you know, and, and and you see this with actresses sometimes. There's this fear of like, oh, I don't want to play a victim. Well, it's like, well, we're all victims. I'm like, I'm a victim. You know what I mean? Like, we're all gonna die. Yeah, I think. And that was quite a fight. Wasn't that a big fight? But not necessarily about victimization. The whole thing wouldn't necessarily have to be about victimization, though. But that's just an aspect of reality in life. Is that what you mean? It's it's like, is that what you mean? By the way, I think that's all bullshit. When they say I don't want to play a victim, what they really are saying is I don't think this movie's going to make a lot of money at the box office. Yeah, or this character is this character is unattractive or unappealing. My, my star uh, capturing a presence. Right. I, I, I guess it's just like, personally, I'm interested in characters, particularly female characters, but, but characters that someone deems too dumb, too high, too slutty, you know, too cranky, um, too asocial, too whatever to be the center of a movie. You can't have a character like that be the center of a movie. Um, and I always go, well, why not? And aren't those sometimes the most interesting movies? Uh, sure. He said it. You're going to jail. Didn't he? Didn't he win against that guy? By the way, he won the libel suit. But the guy died, so he couldn't pay up. It's so it's so disturbing. Disturbing the fucking story. I had I had there was a scene in. You don't have any. Film has I was 15 IQ points. If I had 15 IQ points less, I would have made that. But, but you know what? It really is. I think it really is about you because... Yeah. No, I think it is. I mean, I just had a, I, yeah, I just got a note from somebody. There's a, a script that I wrote and it's based on truth, uh, where one of the characters, um, in, in this story, and it's a true story. The character disappears for several years and then she comes back, marries a rich guy and tries to persuade this guy to, uh, open a chain of, I think it's a brilliant thing, a chain of strip mall, plastic surgery spas. Where you could be in Sheboygan and you could go in and for a small price, like getting LASIK eye surgery, you would get Botox or whatever. Which and LASIK surgery still goes wrong all the time, actually. People just don't talk about it. Yeah. Burn their eyeballs out? Yeah. That's it. Is that really true? Yeah, that's true. Well, this woman had, I think, pretty inspired idea to go and create these strip mall. You know, imagine if you could have, imagine all the people that watch Housewives that would go to a strip mall and, and like, oh, I'm going to have a little nip tuck. Like the Philippines, you go in for just a little nip tuck and you come out dead. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, so this 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 character disappears for four years, comes back, and there's a reveal. And this is really what happened to the character. This character was on the lamb a little bit at a certain point, and you see her after this four year reveal, and she's like sitting in a in a beauty salon chair or something, and 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 she turns around, and there's a reveal where you see that she's had a lot of plastic surgery in the last four years. Mason Verger, Mason Verger esque looking. Who's that? Face. The bad guy from uh, Hannibal. Gary Oldman, Hannibal. Gary Oldman, Hannibal. Uh, maybe not that extreme. Anyway, my only point being, you see a character revealed that has had plastic surgery, and you see very visibly something's happened to them. No way, man. Can't do that. And I, I was like, why? Well, nobody's going to want to fucking play plastic surgery because then it just triggers the audience to ask how much of that is really her and did she really have that? And, oh, did she actually have that? And so is this, is this really it's, yeah. Going back to the, the medium is the message kind of thing. It's like it, it, the audience is going to be unable to disassociate the, the conduit of the message from the actual person itself. Right. And and I think in this case, it's a real extreme version, but I think if you dial that back, it's like, can I be too mean? Can I be too ugly? Can I be too, play too old? I thought it was very ballsy of Jeremy Renner and it. Fucking old. That's what they're sitting there. They're like the audience, is like you know, you are old. Actually, I that's on now on from here on in. When every time I look at you, you're Miss Old. Old has been. I'd like that's kind of that kind of thing. Sure. Think of the first time you're a woman and the first time you play someone who has an adult child. I think. I think. So. I think they just need to get fucking get over themselves. It's kind of a bummer. I don't, honestly, honestly, it just sounds like executive talk with, like, with, you know, they've got, like, their fucking degree in sociology, not in film, sitting there writing these really articulate emails to you, explaining why you shouldn't be a filmmaker because so-and-so doesn't want to do that. It just sounds like one, one little pass. It just sounds like another really articulate person saying another reason which should be done to Kids, I got to blow. Okay. But I want you kids to have a beautiful day. Thank you for having me. That was cutting cutting mid-sentence into this. <laughs> kids, I got to blow. <laughs> I love that. No, dude, thank you for sticking around and... Uh, thank you. And, and thank you for your standalone episode. Wilder, Bless you. sticking off. And I'll, I'll tell everybody about uh, what you're doing in this one, too, so they're two standalone things. All right, man. All right. So we'll continue for a minute as long as you want. Well, we got uh, we got 15 minutes if you want to cover, cover that. So Wilder took off. I love that guy. And you are responsible for him being here. He's, he's not easy to, to lock down. <laughs> he's not easy. He's not easy to get a hold of. But uh, we had a good time. <laughs> the elusive <laughs> What's going on with you, man? Can I have one of those? Yeah, you can. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What's actually happening? Really? Was it about a mother, single mother with breast cancer? No. Isn't that Lifetime? Um, cool Zippo, by the way. I love the smell of that. I love the smell of Zippo lighters. But it, but they're actual Zippos. Huh. And that's eight. You're all the way down to H. Really? And World War II is like the really solid steel, like in, indestructible Zippos right. that, can, that every grandpa had. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, yes, the one that he uh, had on the beaches of Normandy. 
and then he put a big like M80 against it or something. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing. I'm glad to have you. Oh, there goes uh, Gene Lynch again, by the way. Of uh, of what fame? Yeah, the ones you never Glee fame. Right. She was. She was funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so she just strolled by again. So, but yeah, we, it's been a while. So I, uh, since we had talked the first time uh, and, uh, you've done, so is it, uh, is it, when does the TV thing air though? And what's it called? No, what, seriously, what is it about? We were fucking with it, but, or what is it called? Uh, yeah. All right. What the, what did I, what did I spend a year on? Okay. That's a lifetime movie. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Was that hard for you to restrain yourself? I mean, knowing you and knowing your your sensibilities. That's like a comedian. That's like a, a comedian that has to go on the Tonight Show or something, you know. Something, yeah, something that you can lean on. Find your own integrity within it. I don't know much about him and how he works. I mean, Ronan Knight was one of my favorite movies. Okay. Oh. Right. Yeah. Right, right. That's tough, I, I think, to be able to, yeah. So did you see it as that? Aside from, you know, just it's a job. I mean, <laughs> don't kid yourself. <laughs> Ah, yeah. Mm. How far along? Right, right. But that's really what you're all about. Yeah. Which we were talking about earlier. Okay, that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. 
You can say whatever you'd like. I mean, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. Is it is it as a result of what she's okay? Oh, so it's literally super nice. Sure, sure. Wow. How far along are you with this thing? Congratulations. Holy shit. Yeah, it's your whole life right now. Because right now as we're doing this is, it's, what is it, almost December 1st? It's almost December. So you're almost there. I can't believe you had the time to come here and do this for a minute. Well, thanks for doing that. Um, well, maybe we'll talk again after after that then at some point, if you want. With with that, yeah. What happened with uh? Do you want to talk about uh, Manson at all, or you want to? You don't have to. Do you want to preface that? So, Who is she again? I know who she is, but... Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Holy shit. So you're booked. That's exciting. Not only that, I think it might actually be more helpful to you after she comes off this Netflix series, you know? Exactly. So it's more relevant. Yeah, or at least... Recently. So. But she can't say yet. Okay. Great people. There's a lot of people out there. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. In a nutshell. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're not as... Basically, he says a lot of the time, uh, maybe they're not as, as trained or they don't take it as seriously as... To look good. Like we talked about earlier on this and this, you know, this... I fucking hate it. 
you want to be a part of a fucking movie, a story. It, it's. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. To be fair, though, I don't think it's always been that case with American actors. I, I feel like in fairly recent, fairly, and when I say fairly, I mean maybe 10, 10, 20, maybe 20 years on the outside, but I feel like that's sort of fairly recent. When movies took the turn, when movies took a real mall movie turn, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm going to, uh, you know, just like uh, in the 90s, there was a real independent film boom. There was a kind of a golden era there. And right. Well, it came after, uh, yeah, without a crew or after. Exactly. Exactly. Because there were like $25 million paychecks and stuff for Adam Sandler or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right, right. Well, sure, but I think that's. Uh, I I kind of think it's that's what the reason that's how it happened though I, I I don't know for sure but and of course it's not for all American actors of course uh, of course but uh, you know yeah yeah that was just in the New Beverly last week no it's not about that yeah exactly before the Yeah. Well, I hope that it, I hope that the pendulum swings back a little bit. But yeah, it really, it's one of those things that really it, it just fucking it just pisses me off. It, it just is. It has made the movies in general take a downturn. You know? Yes. Yes. From the actor, you know, for all that stuff. So I think that's exciting that you're casting that way. I think there have been a couple. I do think that it comes in waves and we're due for another one right now. Yeah, I remember that. Peter Green, wasn't it? Yeah, he's fantastic. There's an American actor that there's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, a lot of it's not uncommon. Yeah. He's great. Mind blowing. Yeah. Fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Things in the movies that they expect. Yeah. The cost is going up. It's like I better get these certain little. So you don't take you don't exactly because you know essentially what works in a formulaic you know fashion. So they don't take any when you're talking about because they're making really big expensive movies. Pretty much, there's a you know what's going to happen, but they don't. There's no risk being taken, and I get it because they're spending a huge temple, huge amount of money on these things. But uh, but then you get then you get non-risky acting too. You get. I agree. 
make three really good ones instead of one huge kind of homogenized crappy one. One for him. Well, it's probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, what? Well, is it? <laughs> no, but he does. I mean, you know, a paycheck movies. That was what I'm talking about. Spider Man, whatever. You know. But anyway, <laughs> you're right though. <laughs> but anyway, sorry if it, if that happens. If this happens to get around him, yeah, whatever. <laughs> And if they do want to do it, then they are not going to be the type of person that's worried about a camera angle or... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, we're right about an hour. Hey, man, thanks for coming by again. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk again after this next flick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. It's been fun. I'm sure. Hey, you guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It's um, it's something that I, I really kind of pride myself on in a way is not being too stuck with doing this show in any certain particular way. And uh, we had a lot of fun, as you can tell, and I hope you did too, uh, listening in on this conversation. And um, so Matthew Wilder and Kevin Schulman, uh, make sure to check the blog, uh, triumphantdisasterblog.com, and check out everything that we talked about in their movies and everything that's going on with that. And then uh, next week, uh, we'll probably be going back to a little more of a conventional forum. And I think next week, and I don't usually announce which ones I'm going to be doing next, but I think next week I'm going to be having uh, Miller Duvall on, who is um, one of very few distillers in Los Angeles. He makes uh, he makes gin and vodka, and he's also a screenwriter and a guitarist. So he's the founder of the Spirit Guild in L.A. Really cool guy. But we're just going to have another going back to sort of another you know kind of uh, more tame, normal sit down, one on one conversation with uh, Miller Duvall next week. But um, hope you guys really enjoyed this one. Thanks for listening to Triumph Disaster. We'll see you next time.